Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. What's good ahead on the best 60 minutes of your day? We relive last night's epic game, too. Doesn't get any better. Can we get an encore? America definitely wants more. Uh, meanwhile, it's curtains for Joe Girardi in the Bronx. Who's the next skipper tasked with taking the Yankees back to the series themselves? And Julian Edelman's season ended before it started. But could his worst career moment make him even better once he's back with Brady? I'll go one-on-one with number 11 coming up. As always, we start the six with your six at six, including the latest on Heisman hopeful Bryce Love's status for tonight's game on ESPN. And one of the men most on Tom Brady's mind heading into Sunday. But we start with the story of the day. The Yankees were a game seven win away from being one of the two teams left. Nonetheless, GM Brian Cashman recommended to owner Hal Steinbrenner to change managers. And Joe Girardi is out as Yankees manager today after a decade-long run as skipper that included the 2009 World Series title. Not exactly a shocking development as his contract had expired. And there was talk that no matter how far Girardi took the Yankees, his time was up. I just found this out when I uh, I slept in today. (laughs) So I just found out on the way over. You know, I've, I've... Played with Joe. He was a coach. He was a manager. He's probably one of the, the nicest people you'll ever meet. And uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's a, this is a business. You're learning that. Right. I think when you first come up as a as an athlete or as a professional athlete, when you're younger, you're just playing a game, right? And then the longer you play, you realize that this is starting to become a business. So there's mm-hmm. there's uh, you know some things that uh, at times aren't unpopular or are not popular, but um, you know it's part of a business. Mm-hmm. Girardi won 910 games as manager and, of course, three titles as a catcher on those dynastic Yankees teams led by who you just heard, Derek Jeter. We now hear from ESPN.com senior writer Ian O'Connor, who has chronicled the Yankees for over 20 years. And, Ian, you have a piece up, as a matter of fact, on .com entitled Joe Girardi managed the Yankees the only way that he knows. So why did the Yankees want to make this change? Well, I think, Michael, this was about relationships and not about results. And really, this goes back to 2008, his first year as manager of the Yankees after replacing the legendary Joe Torre, where uh, Yankee management Brian Cashman, even the PR chief Jason Zillow, felt that Joe Girardi was too tense, too distant, too uneasy with his relationships in the clubhouse and also with the news media. They convinced him to loosen up, and he did. In 2009, they won a World Series in part because of that, they believe, But ever since then, and we're we're talking now eight years later, they feel like there's been no movement on that front. There's actually been a little bit of a regression in terms of connections to the players in the clubhouse. So, again, this decision today, really eight years or seven years in the making, and it's about relationships, not about results. All right, so, Ian, who are the Yankees targeting? Now, now if not names, what's the profile? In other words, what kind of manager does this young team need? The perfect manager, I think, for the Yankees right now, based on the profile they're seeking, is half Joe Torre, half Joe Girardi. They loved Girardi's work ethic, how much he cared. The problem with him was he was a clenched fist 24-7, and that tension, they felt, did impact the team. And so they want a little of the human touch that Joe Torre had and the work ethic of Joe Girardi. If you can combine those two... You have the perfect candidate. ESPN.com's Ian O'Connor. Check out his article posted now. New York became the third of the 10 postseason teams 
to remove managers joining Boston and Washington. Managers getting pink slips, though, is about as common as pennants in New York as the Yankees have now made seven off-season managerial changes following a playoff appearance. That's nearly twice as many as any other franchise. Carl Ravage, former Yankee Mark Teixeira, teammate of Joe Girardi, excuse me, who played with Joe Girardi, played for Joe Girardi, and David Ross with more on Girardi and a look back at last night's epic Game 2 from Houston. Guys. Uh, Michael, thank you. You're looking at the skyline, and now you're looking at a roof that is actually closing here at Minute Maid Park. The Astros come home, tied 1-1 in this series, and of course, we'll look back on that epic Game 2 victory. They are 6-0 at home in the playoffs, and the field is glistened in sun, but that is quickly going away as they close this roof. Rain actually expected tomorrow, so the roof will remain closed. David will join us in just a second. Uh, he brought up the fact that they have changed managers seven times after making the playoffs. The good news for the next guy is that within the first two years, they've won World Series championships. It's a great job. Tell me why you think this change was made. I mean, not surprised at all. I think Ian hit, hit the nail on the head. Is Joe is a very uptight guy, and he's very tense, and he's very prepared as well. And, and the great things about Joe and the, and the reason everyone loves Joe is also the reason why the change was made is because he was just too tense in that, inside that clubhouse. And I think the team is looking for somebody that's, that can be a little bit more personal with the players. Mm -hmm. You can communicate a little bit better uh, and have a little bit better relationship with the front office. This is really about communication. Ultimately, the front office now hands you a sheet. It's a blueprint for how you're going to behave and act and manage during the game. And then it comes to clubhouse chemistry. Yeah, old school baseball is over. I right. mean, the front office, they do a great job. They spend a lot of time and a lot of money, you know, putting analytics into the game. Yep. And the, the manager just has to talk to the players and say, this is why we are doing what we're doing. This is why we want you to buy in. You don't have to like it, but that's the relationship that the manager needs to have with the right. players. And I'm not sure that Joe was giving that to the players right. in New York. Right. I need you on board. Think of the recent hires here, Alex Cora. Think of the guys here, Dave Roberts and A.J. Hinch. Quickly, a couple names you think might be considered. Uh, there's two guys that stick out to me. You know, one is you know the guy that, that bleeds Yankees blue, the guy that's been in the, the, the organization for so long. That's Rob Thompson. Right. I think Topper would be an amazing candidate because this guy has been with the, the Yankees for so long. He understands what it means to be in this pressure cooker, cooker in New York. He has universal respect from players, coaches, media, front office. Yep. He's one of those guys I think he would be perfect in New York. And then you have, you know, some of these outside candidates. You know, an outside-of-the-box guy for me is Mark DeRosa. Here's a guy who's Ivy League ed educated, was a quarterback in college, a journeyman-type guy, but that's actually been a good thing for him because he's played for a lot of different organizations and understands the good things and bad things about teams. And also, he understands the media. Right. He does a great job in the media right now at the MLB Network, and because of that, I think he'd be really good with the media in New York. No doubt about that. All right, we'll get Dave's thoughts in just a second. Time to look back because if you've seen highlights, you probably haven't seen the entire game from last night in context. Here's a chance to do that. Kenley Jansen trying to get a six-out save. Marwin lifts this one pretty deep to left center field. Going back at the wall. Let's go! Marwin has tied it at three! And Kenley Jansen suffers his first career postseason blown save. Swinging the ball, well hit, deep left center field, Altuve with a home run. That's it, well, and you can kiss that one goodbye. Back to back jacks for the Astros. First Altuve, and then Correa, five to three. And the pitch, and a swing and a base hit in the right field. Forsyth around third, coming home. Reddick's throw to the plate is not in time. And the Dodgers have tied it at five. 
Justin Verlander came out of the clubhouse and was yelling at his teammates that this isn't over. Springer drives one pretty deep to right center field. On the run is Hernandez looking up, and that ball is gone! A two-run home run for George Springer, and the Astros are back on top. It's 7-5. Swing and a miss! Week strikes out, and that is the ball game! And the Astros win it in one of the craziest games you will ever see and they even up the World Series at a win apiece. For Houston, it was their first ever World Series win. They're now 1-5 all time. There were a bunch of extra inning home runs hit, five of them, which is a record in any game. And now you move to game three. If I'm a starting pitcher, David Ross, maybe I'm a little leery, like, uh-oh, the offenses have caught fire. Yeah, I think the, the, if I'm you, Darvish, I'm a little worried about that that offense kind of waking up. But you stuff is so electric, and what he's going to bring here tomorrow night is going to be that late-moving electric stuff. He, he as well as McCullers, both got nasty break-in pitches. But when you talk about the, the velo that you Darvish possesses, right. he's got multiple pitches with splitties, sliders, breaking balls. You see here on this tape we're about to run, there's just serious late movement. Right before it gets to home plate, you're going to see the ball just getting outside of the strike zone, looking like a fastball coming in. You see the catcher. Most of these balls he's catching right on the dirt or right there. That was right down the middle. And you see that late movement right at, right at, right at home plate. That's what you're doing. You're looking fastball. Pretty impressive. And Lance McCullers is one of those guys that is equally as nasty. The last time we saw him, he was throwing four dominant innings in the ALCS against the Yankees. And here's a guy, you know he's going to throw a ton of curveballs, but you can't hit it. I mean, this is a guy who he could tell you, hey, Gary Sanchez, I'm throwing you a curveball here, and you're going to swing and miss. This is a team that feels really good about Lance McCullers because he's had success in the playoffs so far, and his stuff is really good. Right. And the Dodgers feel really good about Darvish. He's better on the road with an ERA of about two and a half, and his last five starts have an ERA of 088. That's what should be a good pitcher's duel. This is a good hitter's ballpark as the roof gets closed. We'll see you all night long on SportsCenter looking deeper into this World Series. The freak comes out at night. The freak comes out at night. Freak, come out. Weird to say that Giannis Antetokounmpo is having a coming out party, but the first week plus of the season has been a celebration of his arrival to the summit of NBA stars. He's the early, way too early we know, odds-on MVP favorite, and later his 3-1 Bucks play host to the Celtics, who he gave 37-13 in the opener. All right, the jumps, Rachel Nichols is here. She is an MVP voter, and more important, Rachel, you are the chairperson of the committee to split the award into best player and player of the year. So Thank you, Michael Smith. Thank I, you for I, recognizing my it. plate and my campaign. Keep it going, okay? And speaking of campaigns, I know it's early, four games in, but when you're averaging 37 points, 11 rebounds, and over five assists a game, people are going to hype you up. And right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the betting favorite for MVP. As an official MVP voter, Rachel, what does the Greek freak need to do from here on out to get you to declare your vote for him over the likes of LeBron again or KD or Russ or anybody else? What do you need to see from him going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's not a two-week season. So right. if, if he has this kind of consistency, and, and it's not just individually how he piles up stats, but if he can help his team win games that maybe we don't think they're going to win, and yet he is able to lift them to that level and be a leader and, and move his team forward. And this really kind of gets to the heart. I, I know you're, you're helping me out and joking a little bit about splitting the award, but this is why I'm constantly talking about the fact that we probably need to take the NFL's lead, the NHL's lead, 
And in the NBA, maybe split up this award, not just so that everybody can get a participation trophy, <laughs> but that there is a difference between who has had the best statistical season, which is what we saw from, say, Russell Westbrook last year, and just who's the best player in the NBA right now. And that gets into these qualities of leadership and what you mean to your team and value and things like that. So depending on how voters vote, and each year, if you look back, sometimes they lean toward voting on one set of criteria, sometimes toward the other. If this is more of a statistical year and Giannis is able to keep up these statistics and add in a little bit of that value leadership sort of lifting your team thing, he could have a shot. We'll have to see. Yeah, sometimes it's just the story and people getting caught up in the hype. I mean, I, I would like to once again break my arm, pat myself on the back for building this bandwagon before the season. Uh, but you're talking about a guy who's a talk of the NBA right now. We know he's most improved player last year, uh, leading you know his team in five categories and finishing in the top 20 in the NBA in five categories. So I kind of just wonder, again, four games in, but barring a, a dramatic drop-off, have people been swept up in, 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 in Greek freak phenomena to where it's like it's kind of his award to lose if they win enough games, right? I, I, again, you're talking about such a small I know. sample small size. Sample you have to alert. look at the teams <laughs> that he's played, right? Yeah. And then you have to look at what he's able to do. And maybe injuries are going to come into this one way or another, either for him or maybe for whoever else is right. competing against for MVP. It's a long season, and, and I think that obviously we've seen the MVP has to play a certain number of games this season because mm-hmm. people are so demanding with this award of saying, don't just show me a little bit. Show me over and over and over again that you are the best. It's the most important word we have in the NBA. You better prove it. And that's why it's so important to you, Rachel, to split it. Uh, you're really right. passionate about this. You really feel like I'm it's I'm doing it. It's I have posters. I have a campaign slogan. I, I've got it all. We're going to really roll it out this year as the, you know, when it gets to the second half of the season. Oh, my it, goodness. As it hypes You up. mean you're going to take it to another level? Like, Giannis, you're going to take your campaign game to another level? I am. I'm ready to show some growth, Michael Smith. I can really do that. That's year scary. to year. That's scary. I, I thought we had seen your, your, your A game already, but you mm-hmm. got more in the tank. You got so, nothing. Rachel Nichols from the Jump. Appreciate you joining the six. Thank you. Bryce Love is a game time decision for tonight's game against Oregon State at 9 Eastern right here on ESPN because he suffered an ankle injury against Oregon on October 14th. But despite having the bye, the ankle remains enough of a concern for his availability to be in question. He enters the game second in the Heisman eyes behind only Saquon Barkley, leads FBS in rushing, and is averaging 10.3 a carry. Nine straight 100-yard rushing games, longest active streak in the FBS, six runs of 60 yards this season. Tied with Notre Dame's Josh Adams with the FBS lead. Joey Galloway. With what's on the horizon in the Pac-12, should Bryce Love risk it by playing on the ankle injury tonight? It depends on what you mean by risk it. Now, if we're talking about um, the Heisman and, and how important that is to Bryce Love, mm-hmm. then I think that's sort of a personal decision. Now, if he's talking about his future, which, I mean, we're talking running back, we're talking ankle, we're talking anything below the body, below, below the waist, mm-hmm. um, I think it depends on... Uh, when you're looking ahead of yourself, what's more important to you? Winning the Heisman now or being healthy moving forward in, in your NFL career, whatever that may be. Um, and those are the kind of decisions he'll have to make. Now, Saquon Barkley made a heck of a statement last Saturday mm-hmm. against Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so this is Bryce Love's chance on national TV mm-hmm. when there's no other game besides the NFL game uh, to make a statement. Right. So I guess a one in six team, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Oregon State's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> right. he, he might be looking at this like, yeah, I might not want to miss this. Right. <laughs> I, I could eat tonight. Yeah. But I mentioned it whether it's worth it in terms of the Pac-12 North. You got um, Washington State and Washington coming up. And yeah. Sanford sitting here four and one. So the competitor he'll, might want to do it. He'll but. have chances to make statements later exactly. because he also has Notre Dame on that, on that schedule. So he'll have chances to make statements. Appreciate those insightful statements from Joey Gallery. <laughs> Thank you, brother. 
Chargers linebacker Melvin, Melvin Ingram, guns and butter, Melvin Ingram, having a career year with eight and a half sacks for the resurgent Chargers, winners of three in a row after an 0-4 start since Joey Bosa debuted last October. Get this, he and Ingram have combined for 31 and a half sacks. That's six more than any other pair of teammates over that span. Hey, Jody. Bill Belichick, effusive in his praise of Chargers pass rushing pair Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram saying, quote, those guys do a lot of damage. Very explosive players. They are very good on third down. Third and long is basically just a sack and a turnover reel. And joining me now is half that tandem. Melvin Ingram of the Los Angeles Chargers, fresh off the shutout of the Broncos and ahead of the showdown at New England this Sunday. Uh, so what is it, Melvin, that makes you and Joey such a dynamic combination coming off the edge? Uh, I, I low-key, I think, I think we kind of complement each other a lot, man. We, we both, we, we talk every day and we try to beat each other to the quarterback. And I think when you got when you got two people that's doing that on the edge and you got some great tackles that's pushing it up in the middle, that's what really gets you to where you need to be. Okay. So you guys were 0-4. You had three losses by a field goal or less. Everybody was talking about same old Chargers, can't get right. And now you guys have won three straight. How did y'all turn it around? We just kept doing what we was doing, man. We, we knew when we was 0-4, the only people we had was the people that was in this building, the people that, that's in that locker room and the people that go to war with us. And we always told each other every, every time when we was 0-4, we gotta, this is a time when we got to come together. Everybody can be with you when you win it. But when times is bad, we got we got to come even closer together and string some victories together and make them plays at the end to get them victories. Now, a lot of people say we all we got. Nobody believes in us. The L.A. Chargers, it's actually kind of true because of the situation with the StubHub Center. It's like it's like a road game at home. How frustrating yeah. is that for you guys? Uh, it really it really don't bother me. As long really? as we got to referee some lines of football and some and a whistle, we good. It really is y'all against the world. Uh, so let me take you inside your yeah, locker definitely. room, though. Did you know that there are only two active NFL players with the first name Melvin? And obviously both of y'all are on the Chargers. So better Melvin, you or Gordon? <laughs> Who's the better Melvin? Definitely me. Come on, man. <laughs> you're not only a sack artist, you're also a rap artist. What's your rap name, Melvin? Mel, super. Man, my name Melvin, man. I keep the same name. I ain't trying to be nobody else. I'm my, I'm my same self. I heard that. You got two full-length mixtapes you put out from Nothing to Something and Franchise and franchise Tag. Complex.com yeah. said you're one of the best rappers in sports. How would you describe your style? Uh, as a lyricist, man, I, I speak the real, man. There's a lot of people who don't speak the real in their music. I definitely speak the real. Okay. Are you the best rapper in sports? Because I can think of guys like Damian Lillard, who was just on Billboard's emerging charts. You got Juice. You got Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. Are you the best uh -huh. MC in sports? Definitely. Definitely. See, I think y'all need to get a cypher together. I, 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 a rap, get, a rap, get a rap battle yeah. or something. Let's go to the stick it to the shelter. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I ain't really in the rap battles. I make music, man. I, and don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of all their music because they all telling their story. But I feel like I tell mine in a different way. So I respect your music. I haven't listened to it yet. I will listen to your mixtape because I saw that, that Jay-Z, Nori, and Outkast are your influences. And for me, you know, yeah. be, being from the South myself, Outkast, now I got to put you on the spot. Equimini, Stankonia, ATLians, Southern Playalistic, one got to go. ATLian. Why? 
because, man, it's just – it's not choice. in the category with them other ones to me. Really? Okay. Yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely a hard choice. Yeah. It's See, definitely I, a hard choice. I would go with Quimini, Stankonia, ATLNs, and then Southern Playalistic. But there really is, you know, no wrong answer. All right, Melvin Ingram coming out of tiny Hamlet, North Carolina. Making hits in the booth and certainly making hits when it comes to getting to the quarterback. Good luck against New England and the rest of the way, man. We appreciate you. One of the most amazing catches in NFL history by Julian Edelman, who joins us now to promote his new book, Relentless. And then, uh, unfortunately, Julian caught a tough break in the preseason, tearing his ACL out for the season. How's recovery going, my man? Recovery's recovery. You know, uh, the harder you work at this and the more the time you put in, uh, you go through the process. Uh, you know, you got to have that relentless mindset uh, and, uh, and it's just attacking each day, and that's what I'm doing. You're still a Patriot, so I know injury information is guarded rather closely, but I'm going to ask you anyway, can you give us an idea where you are in that recovery process? What are you doing at this point? Uh, Mike, you know I play for the Patriots now. <laughs> I'm aware. But, uh, <laughs> I can assure you I'm, I'm a day better than yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it's good to finally be up on my feet. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And you're on to Friday, right? Um, it's good to see you in good spirits and maintaining your great sense of humor. Uh, one guy that's done it, obviously, at a different position, so therefore different demands, but your man Tom Brady. You know, he came back from an ACL. Uh, he looked especially shaken coming out of the medical tent against Detroit when he probably knew what was going on with you. How have you leaned on him? Any advice that he's given you going through this process, or is this just a personal recovery road for you? Uh, I mean, he, he's always a, a good teammate to lean on when, you know, you're going through something. Um, and he was definitely there, uh, just like a lot of other guys, um, you know. But, hey, that, that train moves on. I didn't want to be a distraction. Um, you know, I told them, you know, I'll be all right. And uh, that's just how the NFL is. Now, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Tom's got a, a signature edition Ashton Martin out for three hundred and sixty grand. Is he at least going to hook you up in one of those to, you know, cheer you up these days? I, I better hope so. I mean, I just heard this like literally five minutes ago. So I'm expecting to go out to the parking lot right now uh, and, and, and see one waiting for me. What a big you know? red bow so on it. it. Not a, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe a bow or, or something. But, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to go check him out and uh, put him in his place and say, hey, bub, where, where's, where's mine? Where, what are game days like for you, uh, you know, just watching the team? Do you, do you watch every game? Uh, are you just as invested, or is it still too soon to be able to watch uh, every, every weekend? Oh, I'm definitely uh, invested. Um, you know, I want to see how the guys are doing. And, you know, it, I mean, it sucks because you're not out there, obviously, but, you know, you want to see your, your teammates do well. You want to see your team do well, um, you know, and you, you want to stay in the game. You know, I'm out there trying to call the plays, uh, you know, from what I see and what I know in our systems and stuff like that. So I'm usually at home watching at the crib with some of my buddies. So is that you know, the hardest part? That's what I do. Is that the hardest part of this whole thing? Like, like actually watching the games go on without you? It's pretty hard. You yeah. know, it, you know, it's 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 like it's like. It's like watching someone kiss your girlfriend, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not fun. And you can't do it's anything about it. You just got to watch it. And you can't do anything about it. French you can't kissing, do anything about you know? it. Hey, wh- whatever kind of kiss it is, it's right. still going to make you mad. Right. Not that I would have <laughs> it. Neither of us has any experience with that, but I get the analogy. I totally understand it. I'm enjoying what I'm reading of your book so far, Relentless. Um, 
obviously Bill Belichick had nothing on your father, Frank. So you were ready to play for Bill Belichick, given how Frank trained you uh, growing up to become the player that you are. You know, you were 80 pounds at age 12 and 105 pounds and five feet tall when you got into high school. How is the road that you traveled to get to this point? How is that helping you through this process? Oh, I mean, that road just created a chip on my shoulder. Um, you know, hearing the word no a lot, um, you know, and, and, and having to to work your way to where you get, nothing was really given to you. Uh, and, and the road I've taken, you know, that just creates a chip, and it makes me want to go prove people wrong even more. We appreciate you, Julian Edelman, man. Wish you the best in your recovery. Can't wait to see you back on the field. But in the meantime, congratulations on your book, Relentless, with our man Tom Curran, man. Take care. Thank you. Matt Moore starts for Miami while Jake Cutler will miss tonight's game against the Ravens with cracked ribs. But according to the Miami Herald, he believes that he will be available for the Dolphins' Week 9 game against the Raiders. Cutler was originally expected to sit out multiple games. That would give him 10 more days to heal before the Dolphins host the Raiders. Thing is, over the last two seasons, the Dolphins have a higher yards per play, higher yards per attempt, and much higher total QBR with Matt Moore at QB instead of Cutler or before him, Ryan Tannehill. ESPN.com's James Walker is in Baltimore. Is this game an audition for Moore to keep the gig permanently? Well, Mike, it's absolutely an audition for Matt Moore. And you can look at this two different ways. And it's interesting is if you look at it just from a numbers perspective, Moore doesn't have a high bar that he has to clear. The Dolphins coming in were ranked last in total offense and also last and points per game. So if Moore can just provide a spark, which is what he did last week in the second half against the New York Jets, and come out and beat the Baltimore Ravens, then it should be a no-brainer that he's a starter over Jay Cutler. But if you look at the historical side of it, Jay Cutler has a good relationship with Adam Gase. Gase, the head coach, convinced Jay Cutler to come out of retirement and paid him $10 million. So it's not going to be an easy decision from the actual person that's making the decision. Mm. So although everyone in Miami and the media and the fans and everything will say, okay, it's time to start Mac Moore, it's a tough decision for the actual person that's making it in Adam Gase. And I think that's why this game is going to be very intriguing because it could set up a difficult decision. Yeah, backup quarterback, always the most popular person in town, especially when he's outproducing the starter. Way to produce, James Walker. We appreciate it. The season ended today. Wait for it. It doesn't. The Dolphins would, and I'll tell you in a second. As I was saying, the ball interrupted. If the season ended today, wait for it, it doesn't. The Dolphins would be in the playoffs despite being outscored by 20 points so far this season. Uh, they won streak, three straight, and all four of their wins have come by six points or fewer. In fact, Miami is 12-2 and two in games decided by one possession as in eight or fewer points over the last two seasons. That's best in the NFL, Okay. This season, they've won three games after trailing in the fourth quarter, Teddy Bruschi, mm-hmm. including their last two. Yeah. Now, you won three Super Bowls by a field goal, and you certainly experienced your share of fourth quarter miracles. Yeah. What is it about a team, and this Dolphins team in particular, that allows them to fight through adversity, overcome uh, deficits, and win these close games? It, it says a lot about a team, Mike, when you win close games consistently. Mm-hmm. It says that. Number one, you got good coaching, so situationally they know how to either use their timeouts, no down and distance, red, red area, get off the field on third down, various situations like that. You have players also that are able to execute in crunch time, defensive players that can close out games, like a wake, like a Sue, players like that that can take the ball away, Jones at safety. You've got a running back sometimes that if it's a jive, that if you have the lead and you're up by three, 
they can make the first down. If you got to gain a yard, he can gain the yard. So various aspects come into play. But I see that stat the way you're talking about it, and I know these Dolphins that in those close games, it continues to build confidence that, yes, yes, we can win close games, so let's get people in those crunch situations because we know we're good at them. All right, meanwhile, bad news for the team that the Dolphins uh, are chasing. Patriots defensive captain Dante Hightower torn pectoral muscle, expected to sideline him for the rest of the season. He was hurt against Atlanta Sunday night. Uh, he wants to visit with Dr. James Andrews today. Now, Hightower, of course, made those crucial plays in each of the team's last two Super Bowl victories. Uh, Teddy, how do the Patriots adjust to life without Hightower? As I said, a defensive captain just like yourself back in the day. I don't know. It's going to be hard because it took them the first month and a half of the season. They already consider September an extension of the preseason. They're still figuring out their players. So it took them six weeks to figure out we should have this player here. Let's put Van Oy here. Let's put Flowers here. Let's use, let's use Elandon Roberts. But now Hightower comes back from his knee injury. Let's put him on the outside. Yeah. Because mostly this year he was an outside linebacker. So what do you do now? So now you have to reshuffle because that was a spot that was solidified. And I tell you what, if they think about calling Rob Ninkovich, they better, they better be ready to pay him because uh-huh. he's having a good time washing his truck and taking care of his kids. <laughs> okay. okay? Maybe that's a possibility, but they need someone else for the edge. I think Roberts and David Harris, they'll be fine in the middle. Yep. They're doing that. But on the edge, setting the edge is something that they preach from day one when you get there. Yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if it can be it can be achieved right now if you don't have high tower. It's gonna be very difficult. Yeah, next man up only goes so far we start running out of men. You run out of men, there's none left. Appreciate you, yes. man. Good man. Boogie Cousins back in Sacramento tonight. He has been beasting, not getting tossed out, but putting up 31, 12, four and a half assists and 3.3 blocks through four games. Pelicans only one and three with Anthony Davis sideline. Needless to say, nobody's ever averaged that line for a full season. Here's Boogie with the undefeated Mark Spears. When you look back, what do you look at where you say, you know what, I could have handled that better? My biggest regret is why didn't I leave when I had the chance? When did you have the chance? I had the chance. But I fought it. Like how long earlier? When George called. Dang. Why did you fight it? I wanted to give it a chance. My representatives, they told me I shouldn't stay. But, you know, being, I guess you could say stubborn and and loyal, I wanted to make things work. How, did, how do you look back on the situation with George? I should have left when I had the chance and avoided it all because they told me what would happen. All right, Mark Spears is with me now from Sacramento. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins was a 2017 Offseason NBA Cares Community Assist Award winner. Uh, as you pointed out on ESPN.com, that community meant a lot to him. So now that he's back in Sacramento, has he done anything nostalgic today with the time you spent with him in his return? Well, last night he went to one of his favorite restaurants, Mazuna's, on J Street downtown, a sushi restaurant. Mike, I I don't know if you know that Boogie likes sushi. So it's actually the same restaurant, sister restaurant of one in the suburb, if you remember the video of him tearing up, crying after he got traded in his return to Sacramento to get his things before he went to New Orleans. He did that with about 30 people um, today. He's expecting about 125 people at the game. I don't think his mom's coming, but... Certainly a lot of people coming here to support him. And it was kind of cool to see him, and it was odd to see him walk onto the King's Court, 
uh, before their shoot-around, which was after the Kings shoot-around, and hug some of his former teammates and, uh, you know, get ready for tonight's game. And as you reported, the Kings are going to thank him um, for his contributions to the community and his play on the court during an in-game programming against the Pelicans uh, tonight. So, like, everybody's talked about what happened. It was a, at times dysfunctional relationship. Uh, they're better off apart, both parties. So let's move forward. You're talking about somebody only 27 years old, I believe a free yeah. agent after this season. Like, what's ahead for Boogie Cousins? Yeah, Where's his career coach. going from here? Pelicans, well, when you talk about free agency with him, he, he's not talking about it. He's, he's taking the high road on it. He wants to wait to the offseason. There certainly will be a lot of interest. You know, when he was talking earlier about wanting to get traded, that wanting to get traded place was the Los Angeles Lakers. So I expect the Los Angeles Lakers to be a team next summer that could have some strong interest in him as well as others. But, you know, if things go well with Anthony Davis this year, and with Mobile, his hometown being so uh, relatively close to New Orleans, you know, they can make a, also giving them the most money, they can make a big push to keep them in New Orleans. Should be an emotional night. He said he could not wait. And the way he's playing, uh, he just might go off in a good way uh, against his old team. Marcus Spears, appreciate the good stuff, man. Thank you. All right, bro. Thanks. With three seconds. Wall will get it off. His three, no good. That's it. When people want to talk about our players, we should be offended, and we should go into that game and telling ourselves that's not that's not all right. We're not going to stand for that. We're not just going to, uh, you know, we're not just going to bend over and, and let that happen. You know what? That's how you turn the frown upside down because a lot of people have been wondering whether LeVar is putting too much of a target on Lonzo. Well, you got a bunch of people stepping up, ready to take those shots and fire back. So you know what? Props to those young Lakers for playing with pride and passion and picking up their teammate. John Wall, you know, look, you're going to lose these games. I don't, I don't blame the Wizards. This wasn't the Wizards wizarding in. You know, they went, look, the Lakers came to play. Props to them, and they seem to be really rallying around uh, Lonzo Ball. Meanwhile, come on, man, what you doing? What, 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 what you, Booker, get out, get out the court. Or get out the, get out the huddle. Anyway, the Cavs got out of Brooklyn with an L against the Nets. Break up the Nets. Kenny Atkinson's Nets. LeBron, triple-double, missed a couple of free throws. I love what Ty Lue said. He said, we're running around here worrying about getting the Brooklyn pick. They might want our pick. You're not doing yourselves any favors, Cavs, but I'm not worried about it. I'm all about safety, so... Um, see how it is on my knees, see how it is on everyone's bodies. I know that this is pretty old of court. Um, it's like it's fresh pain as well. So I'm um, just going to do my assessment and go from there. It took me three steps to realize that this is not the same NBA court that I'm used to playing on. So is this like a earth is flat type troll thing, dude? Because, I mean, the Bucks went out of their way to let Kyrie know this return to the Mecca thing that they got going on tonight, celebrating the franchise's 50th season with a return to their first arena. It's an actual court. So... Please tell us you weren't serious, Kyrie. Regardless, it only takes two, three steps for Giannis to cover the court. Looking for the show that he puts on tonight. Time for your neighborhood top plays. Look at this shot off a guy standing on another man's shoulders. Hits the ball out of the air from his buddy's toss. That's number 10? Man, this countdown going to be lit if that's number 10. So some degree of difficulty right there. Number nine, Westlake's Sammy Jablonski gets the steal and then powers through two defenders. Heads it past the keeper for the game-winning goal. Westlake beats Amherst 2-1 to win the Southwest Conference title. Number eight, watch little baby Calvin. Good parenting right here. Take a swing with a baseball bat. 
knocked the ball into a basketball hoop from distance, no assistance needed, child prodigy, proud parents. Love you, Calvin. We'll be talking about you down the road, I'm sure. Number seven high school football in Texas between Rio Hondo and Lagrella. Check out the one-handed touchdown grab by Rio Hondo's Eric Pizarro. That's just becoming so routine. Or maybe we just record them more because we all have devices and we have social media, but it's like everybody, maybe it's the gloves. I don't know what it is, but not taking anything away from it, but very nicely done. Okay, number six, ultimate Frisbee, Yale Cornell. Yale Steel Coon goes full extension for the game-winning catch. I say again, why wasn't there ultimate Frisbee back in my day? So I would have dominated. Not really, but it's nice to say. And you can't prove me wrong because it wasn't ultimate Frisbee back in my day. Number five, Joseph Abbasi of Team Flight Brothers takes flight, goes between the legs. Nice. Is that regulation? Is this regulation? Yeah, that's regulation. Why you jump? Why did you contest that? Now you got to be in the video and embarrassed. Uh, let's move on to some women's college soccer. Southern New Hampshire versus Assumption. Rihanna Bassanello. Shoots from well beyond the box, drops it right over the keeper's head for the score. Well done. And they celebrated, and they're happy. Everybody goes to Applebee's for wings and appetizers. Uh, number three, back to the golf course, David Lambeth, who chips out from on top of the water, sinks it in. Wait, did that just happen? Wow. Okay, all right, all right, playboy. Number two, College of Lacrosse scrimmage, New Albany and John Hopkins. I smoke, I'm sorry. Uh, check out this crazy shot by New Albany freshman, <laughs> Tioka uh, Natakoke. Does work on the defender and goes between his legs for the goal. Johnny Hopkins, we'll see more of him this spring. Number one, high school volleyball in Texas. We'll need no more suspensions. Uh, crazy point between Decatur and Crumb. Check out Decatur's autumn fitted layout for the amazing diving shot. It's been one of the best videos all week. I'm not calling him dad, even if there's a fire. All right, I just want to take a moment to appreciate our Chris Mortensen, who opened up to Peter King about his battle with throat cancer. And more advised everybody to share your emotions and, and tell people you appreciate them when you have the chance. Well, I appreciate you more. You've been a mentor to me, one of the best men I know. Thank you so much, and it's good to call you friend. That's it for us, SportsCenter. More of it next.